Triple HFM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants, HK Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Here's your host, the raging bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, and ISC Sport. Anthony the Bull Caruso here, and can I be the first to say to all of our Splinters fans, welcome to 2022. With Omicron showing to have the same punch as a six-week kitten, it means that we can get some major sporting action going to start the season, and what better way than to launch into the summer of tennis. Joining us tonight is our chief tennis correspondent, the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening and a happy 2022 to you. Yes, happy new year, Caruso, and uh, happy new year to uh, everyone out there. What a way to start the the year than to to talk something other than cricket, some tennis. Finally, uh, he's back on Australian shores um, after a you know a, a twelve month hiatus um, from last year, and we're ready to talk about it once again this uh, upcoming season. And it's already started with some pretty awesome action for the Aussies in the ATP Cup. And it's already gotten me excited for the Australian Open, which is just around the corner. Absolutely. We've got plenty to get through. Not only will we talk a little bit about the ATP Cup, we'll talk about some of the politics that's been going on in the background with regards to players, whether they're going to be available or not, what's going to be happening with the Hotman Cup, because that's been a major point of conjecture over the last couple of years. We'll look at the other leading tournaments into the competition, which is the Adelaide Internationals, the Melbourne Summer Sets, the... Sydney International, and then into the Australian Open itself. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we got plenty of tennis to get through. Um, has Australia got their best chance to break their long-running duck in the singles competition? We'll find out. The umpire is at the ready. The crowd is hushed. The first serve is about to be delivered. For the first time in 2022, this is Splinters. <laughs> And we're going to kick things off here, Dom, tonight with the list of players who are out of the summer of tennis. And this year is probably one of the biggest in terms of players not available. Yeah, there's obviously a few key names that won't be uh, coming to town this season, unfortunately. Just to mention uh, some of the players on the men's side to start with. Missing the lines at Stan Bavrinka, Ross Rounds, Guido Pella. Disappointing losses. Italy Raonic as well. He's a very good competitor. Vavrinka, not the same player all those years ago. But the women's side, we've got uh, Jennifer Brady, Caroline Mushkova, uh, Nadia Podraska, um, just to name the, uh, the kind of competitive seeds. But, gee, unfortunately, just, just rattling them straight off the top, uh, off the top of my tongue. We're going to miss the likes of Carolina Pliskova, Serena Williams, and on the men's side, Dominic team, and then um, very unfortunately, once again, we bring Roger Federer. And that's not all in terms of players that we're missing, because there's going to be further conjecture at the moment with regards to Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. I think right for on the dial, um, obviously has his injury concerns and did, po- did test positive for COVID only a few weeks back now. So there's obviously a big chance that he may not be uh, coming to Australia. And then obviously the vaccination status around Novak Djokovic is a little bit up in the air. He's already pulled out of one tournament uh, so far in the build-up to the Australian Open. So it remains to be seen whether or not he will play. Um, my money's still on him playing, um, but it's, you know, uh, it, it, it's very touch and go. And then on the women's side, there's been a lot of discussion around Naomi Osaka. Of course, she had her issues last year around mental health and uh, a, a few uh, tournament organisers are wondering if she's going to pull what she did at the US Open and pull out of the competition at the very last minute. No, I think she'll play. Um, she's already done a social media post for the Australian Open as part of advertising. Um, she'll be she'll be whipping and raring to go, uh, bounce back into um, a, a good year after uh, a pretty controversial year last year uh, for her, and I expect her to be one of the favourites to take out the trophy once again here in Australia. Well, with that, we're going to now go on to the, the, I guess, one of the more difficult situations that we've got at the moment. It is the Hotman Cup, and for the second year in a row, the Hotman Cup will not be going ahead. Originally, the issue was the clash with the ATP Cup, and but now we've got Western Australia pulling the same stunts with tennis that they had done with cricket. Yeah, it looks like nothing uh, fun is happening in Western Australia uh, at the moment. They had their AFL grand final, and then that's about it, really. Um, you know, disappointing, obviously, that the that the women don't get to have their uh, go at the um, at the internationals in in the tennis format. Um, but fortunately for tennis fans, we do have the ATP Cup uh, up and running and. And the Aussies have obviously gotten off to a good start the other day with the victory over the Italians. So there's, you know, plenty to to look forward to in terms of the uh, the international tennis, the, te- the the nation versus nation stuff. But yeah, a big shame again that we don't get the Hotman Cup to get yeah. the women involved. Well, absolutely. I mean, some of the some of the stories that we've heard about it. There was one stipulation. Apparently, Mark McGowan was going to require that all ball boys and ball girls were going to enter the bubble, the COVID bubble, with all of the players and that any tennis balls hit into the crowd were going to be replaced immediately. Like, this is the kind of stuff that just leaves you there sitting there, scratching your head, going, are these people actually serious about wanting to hold major sporting events? But then we've got further news that the rumour is that the Hotman Cup is going to be moved to Nice in France next year. Well, look, I guess from an Australian point of view, the, the calendar can only be... So large, can it? And when you've got the ATP Cup, is there, you know, room now for the Hotman Cup to be to be held? Yeah, well, that that is a massive question mark. That in that aspect, and it's something we're going to have to it's going to have to be sort of looked into going into the into the near future in that regards. Let's move on to the ATP Cup um, now. This is a, a competition that's only been going for a couple of years, but it's already proven to be incredibly popular, especially given that it has filled a bit of a void that was left from the, uh, I, I, well, from my personal opinion, a ramshackle attempt at trying to modernise the Davis Cup. Yeah, I mean, if that's another argument altogether, what's happening in, in that realm of uh, the sport. 
But, you know, unlike this kind of miniature tournament to start things up, it, get, get, it gets a little bit spicy. There's a lot of action on show. Tennis players, whilst always representing their country when they play, don't really represent them country like they do when they play in the ATV Cup or whatever form of Davis Cup they throw out at the end of the year now. Um, this is, you know, they put on the colours and you can see that a lot of the players, especially some of the Aussie players, really get behind this kind of team attitude that they have um, when this tournament comes around. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what's this is obviously the first tournament that Novak Djokovic pulled out of. Um and really, it's thrown the cat amongst the pigeons in terms of the the, the Serbian lineup, who were expected to come in as the uh, almost the short price favourite. But all of a sudden, now with no Djokovic, this competition's wide open. Yeah, look, Serbia's team is you know yeah without Novak Djokovic, not particularly strong. Um, I don't see it uh, uh, potentially challenging some of the teams that are in here uh, moving forward. So they would, you know, I get the thanks for coming on, really, when you look at these uh, these teams probably outside uh, Georgia as the two sides that are probably going to struggle to make waves in this uh, uh, competition this year. Absolutely. Well, I absolutely agree here. There's a couple of teams that I've looked at at the moment that I would have thought would have been dark, would have been dark horses and a decent shout for it. I would have originally said Italy, until Australia absolutely showed them up um, well, earlier yeah. on, agreed. So okay. Italy for mine would have been a would have been a decent shout. I think Germany could be a could be a possibility, and I think Team Canada is another one which has got a very well balanced team. Yeah, uh, exactly right, uh, Caruso, uh, with the likes of Sherev and and Jan Leonard Struff uh, kind of leading the, the the charge for the Germans there. They've got a strong pairing there. Canada obviously having probably the best young pairing of all the teams in Felix Auger, Alissimi, and Denis Shapopolov um, as the two uh, n- number one and uh, number two players in that team. England hasn't got a bad setup either with Cameron Norrie and Dan Evans as well. And then, you know, you look at the likes of... Um, uh, where was I looking? Sorry. Um, Spain. Spain is another one. Is a decent Spain as well. He's got Roberto Batista, Orgaz, and Pablo Carina Busta, and even Alberto Ramos Vinalas, who are all very, very strong players. And traditionally, all very good eight, uh, players um, when they play together in a team, Spain. You know, have won countless Davis Cups. Uh, we've obviously Rafael Nadal at the helm, but he's not there this time around, so they do lose that uh, um, star power. But they've obviously got um, you know, those three players who are all very similar standard and who can all be, you know, third, fourth round uh, players at any Grand Slam. I, I think for mine now, that for mine, the other dark horse in this competition is probably Team USA. Taylor Fritz, John Eisner and Brandon Nakashima, no slouches in their own rights. No, and they'll be good at the doubles, the Americans. A lot of them, you know, go across through the doubles once they're done in the singles. So, um it, I imagine that they'll they'll be a little bit uh, they'll be tough to beat, especially with John is the uh, and his ability his serving in the doubles will be a big uh, upset, you know. But also the Aussies have got a pretty decent lineup too, you know, for a very uh, very strong in the doubles, and then they've got Alex Dimonor, um to to wrap up the singles matches, and also has experience in doubles. So it, it's it's a very competitive um, tournament this year. It's very evenly matched. I don't think that there is a team that strikes me as 
uh, one that's an out-and-out favourite. You, funnily enough, if you looked at it on paper, it probably was Italy with the likes of Matteo Berrettini, Janik Sinner and Lorenzo Sanego. But obviously they, they lost their first match, which was not a good start against the Australians and will have some work to do. But potentially they may still turn it around. Well, going through the going through the groups that they, that they've we've got at the moment. So, Group A being Spain, Serbia, Chile, and Norway. Um, you'd be putting your you'd be putting your bets down on Spain, pretty much there, wouldn't you? Absolutely. There's there's no argument about that. Yeah. Group B. If it was before the start of the tournament, you would have said Italy over maybe France or Russia. You would think that Italy would 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 be. Uh, um, Russia, but Russia, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're not carrying Rublev, which is a bit of a shame. So the, you'd see them go past them. And France, yes, they do have Hugo Herbert, who's a really good player, and I expect him to be a really strong talent in the next year or two. I think this year could be his breakout year for him. Um, but you'd think with Italy, with the, with the likes of Berrettini, a Wimbledon finalist in 2021, um, should be able to, to to go through their group. But obviously, with their loss to Australia, it's not a, it's not a great start. No, absolutely. And Australia, uh, well, I mean, with matches to be played, Australia provisionally in first place, but still a lot of tennis to go through. But they haven't put themselves in a bad position. Group C, USA, Great Britain, Germany, and Canada. For mine, the group of death. Yep, easy there for me. I, I but I see, and I see the Germans going through um, as uh, the number ones. But they did obviously lose their first up game, so they've got some work to do um, with uh, Great Britain and, and the USA. Um, again, showing their experience outside of uh, uh, the singles matches and, 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 and producing some results in the doubles. And then we go to Group D, Poland, Argentina, Greece and Georgia. This is this is very much a bludger of a group, isn't it? Yeah, Poland will go through. They're undefeated at the moment. Um, they picked up their win today. Um, with It says go 2-0 um, over Georgia and, and, and victories over Greece. Argentina should beat Greece today. Uh, you'd think, despite the fact that they've got the final sits of us there, um, Argentina should go through and probably see, uh, you know, and compete with uh, Poland in the in the last match to uh, see who goes through. Well, that'll be that'll be fascinating to see. And as we as we mentioned before, Australia's win, especially with Alex Diminor beating Matteo Berrettini, uh, a massive upset in that regard. That's going to throw the cat amongst the pigeons to see what happens as we progress through. We then come along to the Adelaide Internationals, and this is an interesting one here, Dom, uh, this year because of course there is no Brisbane International. So they're running two Adelaide Internationals, both scheduled before the Australian Open. The first one happening right now, we've got the uh, the top eight seeds in front of us in both competitions. We start off with the men's, and it's a fairly lacklustre men's lineup, obviously with most of the players tied up with the ATP Cup. Yeah, look, it's it's not a great lineup on the men's side, unfortunately. Um, but whilst it may not be lacking in, uh, let's say, high seeded players um, on the ATP rankings, uh, what it does have is a lot of entertainment. You know, the likes of Gail Monfils. Karen Kachanoff is, is, is going to be a, a, a potential Grand Slam winner in the near future. Marin Silic, a, a former Grand Slam winner. Francis Tiofo, who is a, an excellent player and hasn't really kicked on to be as good as what some people hope, but um, has got some real talent as an excitement machine to watch. So those top four seeds will provide some excitement on the men's side. There's no doubt about that uh, for this uh, first international tournament in Adelaide. 
But I'll tell you what, on the women's side, we've got an absolute... Oh, oh, oh. oh, absolutely. Don't we ever. Ash Barty will be uh, playing as the number one seed. In fact, I think we've got six of the top ten playing in the, Adel- the Adelaide International One women's side. This is going to be very spicy. Absolutely. Led by, obviously, you mentioned Ash Barty. Uh, you've got the likes of uh, Ariana Sabalenka, Gabi Muguruza, um, and then from Greece, returning to Australia, you've got Maria Sakari, Paula Padoza, Igea Swiatek, Sophia Kennan, uh, obviously a, an Australian Open winner um, a couple of years ago, and then Alina Rubikina. So, I mean, a great warm-up for Ash Barty to start the season, and I'm... Uh, and you couldn't ask for a better tournament to, to get prepared for when you've got the likes of all these uh, uh, female competitors below her. It's going to be awesome to uh, to see uh, the women's side of the draw uh, at the Adelaide International. Now, a couple have mentioned that the wild cards are going to be entering this tournament as well. So uh, on the men's side for Australia, there are two main wild cards being Alex Bolt. And an interesting one here in terms of players making their comeback from injuries, Tanasi Kokonakis. Really, I think Tanasi has a good year this year. You know, he's been he's been battling with 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 form, you know, and health, both physically and mentally. You know, years prior to his kind of first Australian Open back last year, which he he did play really well in, um, but just hasn't been able to kick on. He's a really really good talent, um, you know, but he just seems to just the body just seems to let him down a little bit. Alex Bolt's a great competitor too. And always plays well here at the Australian Open, so expect uh, these two to uh, to really take an opportunity here to warm up the Australian Open um, against some of these guys who, despite their you know lofty rank, have uh, been known for their inconsistencies through their career, and um, we might even see an Aussie in the final uh, on the men's side. We then go over to Adelaide International too, and you know it's sort of a. A repeating lineup in 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 regards, but the two that I think that are going to be fascinating to see that come into this competition to sort of try and bolster a little bit is John Eisner, who will be coming straight over from the ATP Cup, and Lloyd Harris from South Africa. Yeah, look, it doesn't really get much stronger in the second draw in Adelaide. Um, you know, you'll see a couple of players sticking around to play it in a, in the second time around. It's 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 not as exciting in the women's draw this time around, but you've still got some pretty big names in there. You've got obviously uh, Alina Spitalina, Coco Gaff, um, who will obviously lead the line um, and will probably fancy themselves um, going all the way. But obviously, I think that all eyes, if anyone wants to watch some tennis before the Open starts, is this women's uh, draw in the first international uh, tournament in Adelaide. Yeah, it's almost a, a genuine dress rehearsal about what we're going to be coming up with in particular. Um, the the next two warm-up tournaments, and then we're going to talk about the next two warm-up tournaments before we go to our break, and then we'll get into the Australian Open proper. The Melbourne Summer Sets. Now, uh, some some would say this is replacing the Brisbane International, but, of course, this year, went the other um, the other piece that people don't realise anymore is that we don't have the Kuyon Classic anymore. That seems very correct, and it's a bit of a shame because I used to love that tournament. So, and I think it's because they, I think, and this is where the politics is starting to come back into it a little bit now, is that the Kuyon Classic was never ratified by the ATP. 
It was always an invitational, and the ATP have really cracked down on Tennis Australia to say, we don't want any of these invitational tournaments. We want everything sanctioned by the ATP, and the ATP have not sanctioned the Kuyong Classic. I mean, I, I have no words for it. I really don't. Uh, I don't understand <laughs> uh, why that could be the case. Um, but, look, we've still got a pretty decent lineup here in the summer sets um, this year. Oh, you know, on the men's side, you've got the likes of Grigor Dimitrov. Um, as you mentioned, Lloyd Harris is he's playing in this one. He's playing in this one as well. Uh, David Goffin, uh, a real competitor as well, um, alongside everyone's uh, favourite French tennis player Benoit Payet, um, who obviously has some, tends to have some sort of meltdown to entertain the fans. Uh, whether that's uh, good for him or bad for him is up for debate. But once again, Caruso on the women's side, we've got a we've got a feast of excellent uh, potential matchups um, that may come our way. You know, you've got Anastasia Pavlyshenkova there. Naomi Osaka returns to Australia with her first tournament um, down in Melbourne at the Somerset. She's there. Then you've got Jessica Pecula, Emma Raducanu, the US Open winner. Simona Halep returns, former Australian Open winner. Elise Mertens, another very strong competitor. Uh, Daria Kastakina. Um, there's some plenty... Of talent on this uh, women's side of the summer sets, and uh, I tell you what, there's some some very exciting people to see in that in that uh, particular draw. But the, but back on the men's, obviously the most exciting thing for the Aussies is that we're going to have quite a few Australians uh, uh, playing as wild cards. Nick Kyrgios will get off uh, his uh, summer of tennis uh, at the Melbourne Summer Sets alongside Lexi Popperin and Jordan Thompson too, obviously. Big Aussie competitors, and have, you know, have had, you know, had pretty good years last year and the year prior, um, despite obviously the the, the COVID infected um, season uh, for the tennis. But I expect them to bounce back and you know have another good year this year, uh, and hopefully, you know, for the fans who you know love watching Nick Kyrgios, he comes with a, a renewed attitude and, and produces some good results ahead of the Australian Open to get people excited. I've got to admit. I have to admit, I am a Curios fan. I love the swagger. I love the devil-may-care attitude. And the reason why I love watching him play in particular is that I know that when he is at his best, he has the ability to beat anyone. And I mean, I seriously mean anyone on the, um, on the card. So the, the thing is with him is that I think he's gotten a lot better with himself lately is the, the team environments that he's been with it has, opt, has actually settled him down considerably. And I think the best part about him is the way he treats the media. He, he, he really just, he shoves a lot of the BS that he has to, that people have to deal with the media back in their faces. Sometimes it puts some fans offside. The others are going, you know, I, I, for one, and for myself being one of them, going, they absolutely deserve it. Yeah, I guess so. His, his playing, though, has gotten much better lately. Like His oh. ability to last longer and longer in the sets is amazing. When I say I haven't got a response, I mean because I have given so many responses to the Nick Kyrgios dilemma uh, yeah. over season after season. There is no doubt in my mind that he is by far the most dangerous player on the circuit. If you're any player inside of the top ten... He's the one person you don't want to draw because he's so unpredictable because he is a top 10 player. He is in the top 20 easily on, on raw talent alone, raw talent alone. But unfortunately, whoever you want to blame, 
in the career of Nick Kyrgios, whether it falls a little bit on himself and potentially the the harsh realities and, and harshnesses of, of Australian media uh, on, on our tennis players, um, it hasn't eventuated into into the success that I don't think that I think everyone wanted, and it's a real shame because it, it, without a doubt, if, if it if it all clicked together, he would he could win a Grand Slam or even two or three. He's the only oh, I... player. He's the only player who's got the confidence and the ability to account for a Novak Djokovic or a Rafa Nadal. He's the only. And he, one. he can get under their skins as well. Yeah. Like he, because he plays a very unorthodox style, um, and he is very good at playing those mind games with them sometimes as well. And really, so powerful. So powerful. Ground strokes the next level. His serving is arguably one of, if not the best, on the on the on the circuit on the tour. Um, and hopefully this year we we might be able to get to see that on show. Um, and it's at its full potential because that's what the Australian public wants to see. Oh, absolutely. They want to see Kyrgios in full flow. They want to see him playing with confidence and swagger. And that's the stuff that's going to get people through the turnstiles to, to watch the, te- the summer of tennis. Well, ladies and, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk the Sydney International and then the Australian Open itself. You are listening to Splinters, the Bench Podcast, for the first time in 2022 on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn Radio, and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, and ISC Sports. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Hornsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo and free live music, or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbrsl.com.au for further details. Hornsby RSL Club, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Dom Rizzuto would say, look sharp 
sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other, with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL and ISC Sport. Anthony the Bull Caruso with the spicy chorizo Dom Rizzuto as we preview the 2022 Summer of Tennis. We've just gone through the ATP Cup, the two Adelaide Internationals and the Melbourne Summer Sets. We now move on to the feature warm-up tournament before the, Mel- the Australian Open. It is the Sydney International and we are so excited, Dom, that it is back for 2022. Yeah, it's great to have it back. It's a, it, it, it's a great tournament. Uh, and one that we, we usually, you know, love to get behind um, ahead of the uh, the Australian Open. It, it's, it's got a, a great lineup of players coming to it once again. It, look, if you're a, if you're a casual tennis fan, we'll, we'll be straight to the point with you. On the men's side of the draw, it's not as electric as we would hope it to be. Our Sydney siders, you know, you've got some pretty decent quality in here, along, you know, with Christy and Garen from Chile, Aslan Karatsev, Berta Batista Org, Nikolas Bashevili, Taylor Fritz, Daniel Evans, Riley Oplica, I should say, and Lorenzo Sanego um, joining the mix. It's not an electric draw, but... It's solid. It's a solid draw, and a lot of these players will be taking this particular tournament seriously because it is, out of all of them, the biggest of the ATP tournaments in the Australian calendar. So this is a great opportunity for these players to not only, you know, uh, warm up for the Open, but claim some silverware at the start of the year. The big, obviously, opportunity is for Kyrgios to claim his uh, um, title again at the, at the Sydney International. He has won it before. It was where he won his first ATP tournament. And um, we're looking forward to seeing, you know, him and see what he can produce. Um, but it will obviously have a lot of uh, competition for it because it is the last tournament before the, the Open kicks off. So a lot of these players will be taking it very seriously and making sure that they get a proper warm-up before the big one. And yet, when you go to the women's side, oh, my God, you want to talk dress rehearsal, This doesn't it doesn't get much better than this. No, absolutely not. It's a fantastic draw, this one. Once again, it rivals... If not the exact same as the uh, the uh, Adelaide International uh, Week One um, tournament, 
Ash Barty leads the line alongside Gabi Mukuruza, Barbara Kujikova. Yeah. Excuse me, I can get there eventually, Caruso. I'm not too bad. I just have to take a moment. He did, he did pretty well on that one, I've got to say. I think Mizzy, I think Mizzy would still be struggling with it. Mizzy struggles to say John Smith, so let's not uh, give him too much credit. <laughs> uh, Maria Zakaria from Greece, uh, Annette uh, Konovit, Estonia, Paula Badoza from Spain, Iga Switek from Poland, and, and Ons Jabur from Tunisia. Uh, a great, great lineup on the women's draw. A lot of the Aussies will obviously be behind Ash um, as she prepares for the Open. And I think in th- this is the one she's got the best opportunity to take out. Absolutely. It's the, you know, it's, it's probably the one that's going to be closest to home for her anyway. Uh, being a, um, even though she doesn't get to play at the Brisbane International, unfortunately, it's the only downside with Ash that I've got with her is that she is a Queenslander. <laughs> we won't hold it too much against her. No, we definitely don't hold any of that stuff. Um, uh, when it comes to tennis against Queenslanders, only no, no. in rugby league. Only in rugby league, but she has been yeah, no, no. Um, she has been an absolute she has been an absolute shining light for them so far. It's a very solid lineup there, and I think the only one that's on, the only one out of the top ten currently in Australia is not in that competition will be um, Anya Sabalenka. Is the only one that's not going to be competing because, of course, the other major name that won't be in that um, that tournament from the women's side, I think, will be um, Bianca Andrescu, isn't it? Because she's, of course, yes, out right. all together. So it's a it's a very strong lineup there. We have the, obviously the draw doesn't come out until uh, a week before the tournament starts, um, but yeah, you can rest assured this is going to be absolutely hot and. Yeah, it, it, we would definitely recommend if you have a day, get down to the Olympic site to watch the Sydney International, in particular the women's site, because this is going to be an absolute peach of a tournament there. Your tip for the Sydney Internationals? I think Ash Barty takes out the International uh, on the women's side. And Nick Kyrgios, I must correct myself, hasn't won the Sydney Open before, or Sydney International before. He won the Brisbane International um, in, back in 2018. I'm actually tipping him to take home the Sydney one too. As my we, then, we then come to the 2022 Australian Open, and we've got our top 32 seeds lined up. Um, as we mentioned, we've already mentioned before the the players who will not be competing in this competition. At this point, the first thing we should say as well is that we are still assuming that Novak Novak Djokovic will play. I think he will too. You think he will? I think he will too. I think he'll look at this as the biggest opportunity, uh, maybe the, the easiest opportunity to claim the record of most Grand Slam titles by a male player um, with the likes of Roger Federer not there and potentially Rafael Nadal. Daniil Medvedev did beat him in the US, but Novak is the most successful player at the Australian Open and it, he loves this arena here down in Melbourne. I expect him to be here to claim um, another Australian Open title. Now, the what we should mention is obviously with the players that are currently unavailable, it does mean that the two players that have entered into the top 32 seeds are Dusan uh, Lavovic um, and Alex Dimonor has come into the top 32 seeds. So you know, a great opportunity for Dimonor to get into week two of the tournament. He gets a good draw. There's the he would be disappointed with anything 
um, outside of that, that's for sure. Potentially, if some of these players do fall out as well uh, before then, there's an opportunity for him to come higher up the ladder. Um, but, you know, if he gets a good, on the good side of the draw, um, the Demon will be expecting to, be, to, to get to week two. Are there any players here in particular who you think their form as of late is probably... Yeah, best described as questionable. Questionable form inside this, inside this list that you know. Think, are we are we talking uh, an early, an early, an early uh, bath? Yes. Or, yeah. Okay. So early bath. Look, it's really tough to say. Grigor Dimitrov is always a, a, a candidate for an early bath in, in his later uh, years on the on the tour. But also a player that can produce moments of magic and go and can go deep. So whether or not we'll see him reach the semi-finals, I'm not too sure. He's an. Op- I don't think his form has been too crash hot of late. And then further up the list, it look this this draw and seeding is is not what it was like ten years ago. Paul, you know, long da- gone are the days where you had a top ten that you knew that would hold their own and go and go deep into the tournament. You know. Uh, even though we had obviously the big three, after the big three you had David Ferrer and Andy Murray. As, you know that takes up you guys up to five players already that you know are going to be in the back end of the comp, the competition. You know there there was the likes of Joe Wilfred Songer who was always going to be in in a quarterfinals match. They don't really have that at the moment in this tournament. You know my final example is Alexander Zverev, a great player, but so inconsistent at the Grand Slams and can be beaten very early in tournaments too often. I I think he'll be one that you want to look out for as potentially an early exit. He doesn't tend to particularly like playing in the heat. Um, Kasper Rudd, two years ago, um, lost out, or last year I say, lost out to Jordan Thompson in the opening game. This is before he was the eighth seed in the, you know, obviously at the Australian Open. Um, a guy that I really like the look of moving into this tournament, though, um, we'll get to those guys in a minute. But early showers, um, yeah, you got to if you want to. One of my, if you want my tip on who's going to go first, the biggest one to go first, I think it might be Sherev. Um, he's he, who can go. Gail Monfils in particular is very hot and cold, as we know. Grigor Dimitriov, um, and then potentially even you know. Uh, a guy like uh, a Marin Silic or a, or a Taylor Fritz and a John Isner. Those kind of guys, I, I think you could see them potentially getting an early bar, especially if they get an unlucky draw and have to play up against a Kyrgios or something like that. Well, I, I think for mine, I, I would say you're absolutely right. Alexander Zverev is probably uh, one of the – does not have a great record in Australia. He, he does not have a good record here. And – it's something that's dogged him for years, and I, I think you're right. I think it's because of the heat. He just does not he does not handle it well. On the flip side, I think Stefanos uh, Sissipas is going to be one that's probably going to grow, especially with the, uh, as we know, that for some reason the Greeks and the Cypriots, whenever they come to Melbourne, always seem to have a great time out here. They do. Uh, the Greeks, the Serbs, uh, and the Spaniards tend to, and the Swiss tend to have a good time. Here and it's in Australia, and particularly Greeks. And Stefanos Tsitsipas has produced some good results here in Australia so far. He'd like to go obviously one better and 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 take the title home uh, at some point. The, the the young Greek star, he's got a big challenge ahead of him. You know, I think outside Novak Djokovic, 
uh, potentially Rafa Nadal if he's fit. The only real challenger to their throne at the moment is is a Daniil Medvedev. Um, unfortunately uh, for, for the other players, but there are some players in this tournament as well who can you know upset some people as well, like Matteo Berrettini, uh, Wimbledon finalist last year. As I mentioned. Uh, we'll, we'll want to go the same way again. I'm really liking the lo- looks of, uh, excuse me, liking the looks of Hubert, uh, Kukaks, um, at the moment, sitting in at ninth seed. He's got the ability to upset some players with the way that he plays. Um, but yeah, we're talking early bars. If you want my hottest tip, I think it might be Sherry. And then going through the wild cards very quickly, Stefan Kozlov from the USA, Andy Murray from Team GB, Lucas Puel from France, and Seng Chun Shin from um, Taiwan are the, are the wild cards that have been announced at the moment. For mine, you know, Andy Murray appearing the wild card three, four years ago, that just would not be happening. No, he he's actually had a he had a really good win against Rafa Nadal in the lead up tournament to this as well. So he, he's feeling in good shape, um, which is great to see. But you know, he's obviously not the player that he once was. But he he brings the crowds, Andy. And again, if you're one of the top thirty, thirty four, he's not a one that you're going to want to draw. You know, um, coming into this tournament because he has a lot of fans behind him, uh, and 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 he's it can be an excitement machine on his day. So. And he's got a host of experience being, obviously, a two-time Grand Slam winner. So I imagine him to get plenty of support when he's here. And, you know, I'm predicting maybe a a third round for Andy Murray. Let's see what happens. Let's go to the women's side. And uh, we talk about the men's sort of coming into this era where there's a bit more competition. The women's, this has been going on for years, that the, the competition has been red hot. And especially considering that there is a real the, – the competition is going to be wide open now with Serena Williams not competing. Yeah, absolutely. And look, in some respects to, to Serena, I don't see her winning another title uh, in, the, in the future. I think she'll remain on that uh, infamous 23 alongside Margaret Court uh, for some time unless she can maybe spring together a magical – U.S. Open run. I've just seen it in the last couple of tournaments that she's been getting knocked out earlier than, than she'd hoped or she'd been having to pull out through injury. So, yes, she's a dangerous player to anyone on on the court, but is she the same danger she once was? I don't think so. So you, those top players like Naomi Osaka, Ash Barty, Sabalenka, you know, Krejcikova and Muguruza probably aren't going to be too worried about uh, Serena not being there, but some of those other players underneath, you know, you've got the likes of Yelena Ostapenko, who's a Grand Slam winner, Victoria Azarenko, Grand Slam winner. If you look at this list compared to the men's, there's, a, there's almost a Grand Slam winner every second uh, person that you come across. Ash Barty, Garbin Bulgarutska. Then you go further down and you get to uh, Osaka. Then you go a little further down to Kerber. Then you get Kvitova. Then you get Raducanu, then the Halep. Do I keep, you know, keep going on? There's plenty of people. There's a rank to Ostapenko. Um, there's a good six or seven, eight potentially Grand Slam winners inside this top 35 for the women's draw. Um, and it'll be super and highly competitive once again. And literally it is anyone's pick to who might win this uh, Australian Open again in 2022. And it has been for a number of years. The, the women's competition has been that hotly contested for years. 
that for us, this is now just the run of the draw that we're going to, we're going to see something very tight and very tough. We should mention as well that there's going to be, there is a few young star, up and coming stars that are going to cause some major issues in, in this competition as well. And the, the other two names I want to bring up is Corey Gaw, Corey Gaff for the US. And I'm just trying to find her name because I think I saw her before. Yeah, Elena Rivakina uh, uh, from Kazakhstan. They're going to cause some major headaches throughout this competition as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's heaps of challenges. And if you think about the Australian Open um, winners of late uh, on the women's side, there's you know it hasn't been according to plan for 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 the draw um, it, over the last uh, few years. It's it's quite funny. I'd be surprised if we once again had um, uh, an event in which we saw someone uh, uh, not win it. Obviously, Naomi Osaka did claim it last year from number one, but she, um, before that, there was obviously a couple of people who we weren't expecting to take out the title, and, and they did. So be sure to watch the win. Uh, the women's side of the draw because it's going to be electric once again. And then the women's wild cards that have been announced so far, Robin Anderson from the US, Madison Inglis from, from Australia, Diane Parry from France, Storm Sanders for Australia, Daria Saville, and that's, of course, formerly known as Daria Gavrilova for Australia, Wang Zhu from the People's Republic of China, and then competing in her 20th and last Singles Australian Opens competition will be Sam Stoza. Yeah, it'd be a shame to see Sam Stoza go. I mean, unfortunately, probably for herself and for fans of Sam, it's never probably eventuated to more success than we probably hoped for after a triumph in the US all those years ago now against Serena Williams. She obviously had a finals appearance at the Roland Garros as well. Uh, one of the great forehands on the women's tour and really um, was a, an almighty competitor throughout her career and it'll be a shame to see her go. She's never had the success that we all wanted to, to have in Australia. Um, the pressure, whether you call it the pressure of playing in front of your home crowd, I mean, to me, it must be the only reason, uh, considering how strong she was when she played outside of Australia, Um to see to see how far she would go, it would be great to see her at least maybe in her last tournament go go as deep as she can and not bow out in the first first round and maybe give her the proper send off that she needs potentially a maybe a third round match against Ash Barty on Rod Laver Arena. How good would that be, right, for the Australian audience? You know, uh, one of Australia's best being you know replaced by one of Australia's up and coming and new world champion. So I'm looking forward to seeing her, you know, and I want to see her do well in Australia because she deserves it after the career she's had and, and the triumph that she's had uh, on the court. Well, she does She does have that one uh, US Open title and really should have had a French Open title in that as well, instead beaten by Francesca Schiavoni. But the, the really unusual thing that people, and this is what I don't get with the way, with the way that the media sort of handles tennis, is they don't understand players' strengths and weaknesses in this competition as a whole, they expect Sam Stoza to do ridiculously well at Wimbledon and the Australian Open and the US Open. But her style of play is not that at all. She, if anything, her best record is at the French Open, and it's because of the way she plays that she's so good at the French Open. 
Yeah, the, the power hitters always win, in, and the good defenders have always been the French Open specialists. You look at Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, um, more so in recent years, and the way that they dominate the clay court. Sam is the same. She's a good defender, and she hit the ball hard. Right, that's those, those are the winners. And with top spin as well, very heavy exactly top right. spin. Exactly right. The players that always struggle are the ones who are more aggressive. You, you need to be a defensive player to win Roland Garros. You know, there's a reason why Roger Federer had never beat Rafa on clay because the ball got held up too much and he didn't have the power to knock. It just the dog could just wither him down with just rallying it and rallying it and rallying it. So this will be the last one for Sam Sosa in the women's singles. She will continue in the doubles, of course. And we have to remember as well that she did win the U.S. Open women's doubles last year. So she still has some credibility in the doubles team where she's always been very strong. So we look forward to that. The other one for mine that's going to be very interesting to see how she now goes, Daria Saville, Ni Gavrilova. She had a couple of great runs in the Australian Open. She's back again after her marriage, and it's gonna, I'm curious to see how she's going to go, whether her heart's really in it these days. Yeah, I'm not too sure what to think of Daria. Um, I imagine her having a, a pretty decent run, but, she, I mean, uh, in all due respect, I won't be tipping her for a, a week to appearance. Yeah, that's probably fair enough in that regard, so... Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes and we'll see how it pans out. Of course, the, the fascinating thing, and I'm not even going to ask you for a pick for the women's title because, yeah, it, there are so many permutations to come out of that. It would just be ridiculous. Uh, look, uh, it's, it's a real tough one. Um, look, I, I can't look past Nomi Osako. She's won two of the three titles available, uh, in the last three years. Um, she will be well rested. Um, over the new year, and we want to get back on the court and prove a point. I think she's, without a doubt, the best player on the tour. Uh, maybe not the most consistent. That'd probably be Ash Barty at the moment. But Naomi Osaka, her power and her speed, she's the new Serena Williams. Um, she has the ability to, to go on and dominate women's tennis for a number of years, and at such a young age as well. Um, if she can just keep that body fit, that mind right, She'll easily, I think, account for most players inside this top 35 se- uh, seeds. Um, Ash Barty, I'm hoping, will have a good year. She's, you know, she's she's threatened to be going into those, you know, semi-final finals places over the last couple of years, but just falls short a couple of times again. Maybe that home crowd pressure getting to her a little bit. Uh, I'm hoping that Sabalenka goes on and does something a little bit from Belarus. Um, she's a really, really good player, but just hasn't really been able to catch that break. Um, so I'll be watching them big time. But the, the, the big two that I'll be looking out for again this year is obviously how Emma Raducano and Layla Fernandez go. The U.S. Open um, duet who played out a, the youngest final of all time uh, only a few months ago. I really want to see how they go. I think those two can once again really once uh, really <laughs> once again change the dynamic of this women's top 32 seeds. Now, one of the fascinating pieces that's going to be occurring with the Australian Open is that due to the disruption from COVID is how they impact the rankings for players going forward. Normally, you get a recalculation of the rankings after the Australian Open, um, so they get a line-up for the return to the European scene. However, this year, 
Uh, the players will be allowed to pick their best performance for the last two Australian Opens to be used for their rankings going forward. And we've gone through and we've had a look at who we think is going to be under the gun for a, a, a big tournament if, they're not, if they don't want to drop back. And there are five men lined up who are under the gun now and under rankings pressure for either poor performances or not competing altogether. Yeah, it's something that they brought in a few years ago because they were concerned with certain players, especially just coming for a payday. Um, I think one was most notable when Nicholas Almagro came down. I think pocketed something like 500k after like he, you know, added in all the sponsorship stuff. Pretty much threw in the towel after the first set. Uh, and then just walked away with a free victory, which is what I think they're trying to eradicate as much as possible so that you're having, you know, as a viewer, the, the best tennis available from the start. Because we know the better matches come in the second week or late into week one. That's when the bigger matches start to, to play. Uh, but when you're a fan and you go and watch it at the actual Open, you are watching it on TV, the best time to watch it is actually during the early stages because that's when all of the different matches are on and you can watch it a plethora of different styles of tennis until whereas the second week you obviously only get you know the semi-final and the final and there might be only two matches a night so what they obviously they bring that in to make sure that we're getting a competitive showing from the get-go so the five players we've got lined up who are going to be in in trouble at the moment Novak Djokovic is actually at risk of losing the world number one to Daniel Medvedev if he does not compete yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange setup where essentially, um, you know, because he won it last year, if he doesn't turn up, he loses like an insane amount of points. Like even if he loses in round one, he would lose, he wouldn't lose nearly as much. So even like if Daniil gets to like let's say the third round, that's all he needs to do to take over Novak um, because he hadn't won it. So, but if he was to go further than what he did, then he would. He, he would get a heaps and heaps of points, heaps and heaps of points. It's a strange setup in the ATP. It's a bit like the FIFA rankings. It's a little bit strange, but it, it somehow works. And then, obviously, the two big names that are going to be dropping out of the top 30 altogether, Dominic Team and Roger Federer, in the latter as well, you, know, you have to ask how much more does he have left because I can't see him coming back. Roger Federer? Yeah, look, I think he's probably got one more... Um, you'd say one more um, Wimbledon in him, potentially. Yeah. I think that's probably what he'll look to do. He'll probably look to see out Wimbledon. He'll want to keep playing as long as he can. He might play the, the ATP tours in, you know, the Middle East where he, get paid, he gets paid a heap load of money to not really do all that much work. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's disappointing not to see him again at the Australian Open because I, I don't think he'll come back. I think we, not- we've missed him. we missed his last chance. And in the women's side, they're not missing the competition, but the two players under the gun because of poor performances in 2020 and need a big one in 2021 will be Gavin Muguruza and Sofia Kanin. Yeah, I think it, it, it's a tough one. Gavin uh, Muguruza will be will be hard pressed to make it to the final again this year. Um, you know, once again, so she could be struggling. <laughs> But, you know, she'll also – it'll be easier to, to to get those points because, obviously, she wasn't as successful in 2021. So 
you know, anything inside, you know, round three for her will be a, will be a victory in terms of ATP uh, Tour ranking points. And then on the men, in terms of the who's going to be making the big gains, I've, we've named two big players. They're going to be making big gains. From the men's side, it's Alex Diminor, who's already, just by turning up, will already be guaranteed a to move into the top 30. And on the women's side, Naomi Osaka, with players not being available, is already guaranteed to jump to six in the rankings after the Australian Open. Yeah, sometimes it's beneficial just to take a, a year off injured, like uh, like the Demon did. And now he'll come back and be uh, back inside the top 30, to, <laughs> regardless of where he finishes. So, Because um, of the protected ranking rule. Exactly right. So, look, but I think he'll, he'll go quite far this year. Alex Well, ladies and gentlemen, we can't wait for the summer of tennis to really get into full swing, which will happen probably sometime next week, especially with the Melbourne Summer Sets and the Sydney International before the start of the Australian Open. With that, that is game, set, match here on Splinters. And I want to thank my co-panelists here tonight, the Spicy Chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to the summer of tennis ahead. Thank you, Ball. I'm looking forward to it too. Well, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in 2022, this has been Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL and ISC Sport. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto, I'm Anthony Caruso. Make sure you enjoy 2022. Stay safe, run harder, run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.